What's twice the size of Rhode Island and five times larger than last Monday when it began? On the vast high plains on the North Texas Panhandle, fires continue out of control. High winds, high heat contributing to this disaster. Sustained winds of 45 gusts to 70 miles an hour, causing two out-of-control fires to keep spreading. Today, temperatures dropping with a cold front arriving. 500,000 acres, and that's just one of the two fires, which has spilled across the border into Oklahoma. Small towns evacuated. Fire departments from as far away as Dallas helping the response effort. 60 counties declared a disaster area by the Texas governor. Fire. One of the most powerful themes contained in all of Scripture. Even the tongue is compared to a fire, the evil it can bring. But Scripture also offers hope for believers and uses the picture of fire. Christ will return with blazing fire, 2 Corinthians 1, bringing relief to Christians troubled. Welcome to Haven Today, here on the final day of February. A leap year. I'm Charles Morris with David Wolin, and we're getting to share with you the great story that's all about Jesus. And David, this week we're in a series called Songs to Remember. And here we are on a day that won't happen again for another four years. It is February 29th, 2024. I've heard about people born on the 29th of February and how they have the option of choosing what day they want to celebrate their birthday. They could do February 28th or March 1st. And I'm curious. I wonder if some of them can have two birthday parties. Who knows? And leap babies could always claim to be younger. For example, somebody born on this date who's only 16 would say they were only four because they had only experienced four actual February 29s in their lifetime. (laughs) Well, Charles, in some way, I suppose the idea of a birth date is connected with what we're talking about today. In a moment, we're going to go to God's Word, 1 John chapter 5, where John asks, how do we know someone has been born again? Or as he puts it, born of God. How do we know we've been born again? And how do we know if we love God? Well, these are important questions. And we want to encourage everyone to stay with us as David and I team teach again out of God's Word. But first, we have a special guest with us again today, don't we? Well, we do. And Adam Wright is here with us again from the corner room. And we're going to be listening to a song by you, Adam, from 1 John 5. But first, let's talk about our kids. I've got three of them. And often in the back of our minivan, I'm pretty sensitive to the music that's often on repeat as we're driving around. Uh, But your music is something I can listen to over and over again, gladly. Because not only is it good, I know what the Lord is doing in my heart and in my kids' hearts is also good, helping us to remember the Word, for the Word to abide in our hearts. Oh, man. I I love to hear that. I mean, I have heard from other parents, you know, I I like this stuff just as much as my kids like it. And that's, I mean, I think that's a win for sure. If it's affecting the whole family, because, you know, as parents, you know, there are definitely those albums you're like, when can I get rid of this or when can I hide this or throw this in the trash? Like, it's just like, (laughs) oh, there's so much bad, you know, kids music out there that when, when you find a diamond in the rough, it's like, I've got, yes, yes, this, more of this. What more do we want though, as Christian parents? And, you know, I, I've talked with a lot of, of young married Christian couples who have even a little bit of fearfulness about having kids in this world. There's, there's almost a fear of, of, 
what's going to happen to them? The world's so broken. It's so messed up more than maybe it feels like when we were kids. And, and so we bring these, the Lord gives us these, these kids and we feel the, the responsibility to shepherd them and, and, and for God's word to dwell richly in them. And I think that was part of your heart, right? In, in writing songs like this and even putting an album like this together. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think music's a powerful medium. I mean, I think about one of the first songs I probably ever learned as a kid was the ABCs. That's so, right. I mean, without without learning without you know that song, I think learning the ABCs would have been a lot more difficult. And I think uh, music is kind of one of those tools. It's a gift the mm. Lord gives us to make things sticky. Yeah. And, uh, I think when you're when you're able to set anything, but also God's word, it applies. I mean, it, I think that's an opportunity for it to um, that seed to be planted way, way, way deep into your heart, uh, and right. for you to be able to recall it when it when when you need it. I mean, That's right. how many, how many promises of God are there that we, that we can, uh, we can often forget and, uh, that these, these scripture songs can kind of be used as a tool to kind of bring us back to, okay, I know this mm. is true. Uh, and I can sing it and proclaim it with joy mm. in the midst of it. So. Well, speaking of the ABCs, the, the apostle John had a way of taking complex things, making them simple. And, uh, of course, a lot of the time he's just remembering the way that Jesus did that for him. I'm thinking of the, the song that you've got first John five, three through five. Uh, it starts in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. His commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And I'm hearing an echo in my mind of John 15 of, of what it means to love God. So, Adam, let's take a break uh, to hear about your song based on this scripture, and then we can come back and talk about it a little. So, with that, let's open this haven today with another song from Adam Wright's The Corner Room. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome the world. 
And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. That has overcome the world, our faith. That has overcome the world, our faith. Well, there you go. Word for word from 1 John 5, verses 3 through 5. From the Remember and Proclaim album by Adam Wright's The Corner Room. This is Haven Today, and Adam is here with us. And I really love the style of this song, Adam. Could you tell us a little bit about writing it? Yeah, I, I love I love acoustic music. Uh, that's that's kind of where my heart is. I never had, I did have an electric guitar for a while, but I, I didn't take. There are too many pedals, and there's, it's just too complicated. So acoustic music is where it's at for me. Um, and so I love opportunities on the on these records to kind of explore working with banjos and mandolins and violins and things like that. And so when I read this text, to me it had a very, uh, gosh, I hope this isn't bad to say, it, it felt kind of like Southern Gospel quartet mm. kind of thing to me. There's nothing bad um, about that. No, sir. <laughs> you know, this this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You know, that word victory, I yeah. was like, yeah, like I can hear like that three-part, you know, kind of bluegrass uh, sound and feel. Um, and I remember when I was recording it, I talked earlier about um, having kind of moments in the studio that are almost worshipful for me yes. as I'm putting these things together. There's a section in the very end of the song uh, where we've we've just we've heard a few times that the chorus kind of keeps coming back. Um, Everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We've heard that so many times, and if you listen to the background vocals, uh, over the last time I sing that, uh, they are all ascending mm. together. And, and to, to, it's almost, I mean, it's like a crescendo, it's like a climax, and then yeah. eventually you get to the very end to where we get to our faith, and that's like the climax, that's yeah. the crescendo that's overcome the world. And so, you know, when the text and the music kind of intersect like that, oh, those are moments in, in this studio before anybody else hears it. It's like, yes, Lord, because it's connecting. It's connecting in a unique way for me, and I hope it's doing that for other people too. Well, I know it is because my kids and I have been so blessed by it. And Adam Wright, just thank you. Thank you for being with us here again on Haven Today. Thank you, guys. I, I mean, it really is a it's, it's a joy to be with you. Y'all are awesome. So I, I appreciate y'all. Well, David, I've been enjoying listening to these conversations you've had with Adam Wright this week, and I really enjoy his music set to the words of the Bible. And we want to encourage everybody listening to not just get a copy for yourself to enjoy and memorize scripture, but also get another copy and send it to others. Maybe if your kids are even grown or you have grandkids, you could do that as well. In fact, this would be a wonderful Easter present with the title of the album being Remember and Proclaim. This CD features 10 songs set to 10 passages of scripture, and you can listen to samples of every song by just going to haventoday.org, haventoday.org, and then make your gift when you're there on our website as well. Or you can call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. You're listening to Haven Today. The program is called Songs to Remember. And now let's head over to First John together. Let's spend some time in the first five verses. I'll tackle the first part and then hand it over to you, David. That sounds good, Charles. 
I've done plenty of Bible reading with my wife, Janet, and our kids through the years before when they were still home. And a question that came up with some regularity is, how do we know we're saved? I think that's an important question. In fact, it's one that people have asked through the history of the church. What we say, how we say it, can make the difference between encouraging someone in the gospel or leaving them discouraged. What would you say if someone asked you that question? Well, there are two things I think we should consider, the basis of salvation, but then also the evidence of salvation. In 1 John 5, we read about both ideas. Here are the first two verses. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. What's the basis of salvation? If you remember the story of the Philippian jailer, remember he asked, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The Apostle John is in full agreement with that response. So when somebody you love asks you, how can I know I'm saved? One question you can ask them is a question I ask to everyone we interview on Haven Today. What does Jesus mean to you? And just listen to what they say. It doesn't have to be incredibly verbose. They don't need to respond with all the finer points of doctrine, though doctrine is important. The response can be just as simple as Jesus loves me, and this I know. He died for my sins, and I love him. A child sharing about what Jesus has done for him or her should be encouraged. After all, Jesus tells us that we need to be childlike to enter his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. If you hear a youngster say that they believe Jesus is their Savior and Lord, you can tell him or tell her that the scriptures tell us they are born of God. And then the basis of salvation is faith in Christ and faith alone. It's believing that he is Christ, the promised Messiah, the one who saves us from our sins. But First John 5 keeps going. It not only provides us the basis of salvation, but the evidence of our salvation. Theologians for centuries have said we're saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. And that's important for each of us to remember. If you're an adult listening to me right now, you can be tempted to think once you're saved, you can continue with the status quo. You can keep on living just like you were living before you met your Lord. And if there are any kids in your car when you're driving, please don't make the same mistake. When we meet Jesus, our lives change. Our thoughts, our words, even our actions. If we are born of God, then we are ought to love the children of God. And that's why it's so important to not only read passages like these, but to sing them. It remains in your heart. And the Spirit uses that to work in our lives and to even transform us. This is the evidence of salvation, that we love God, and in turn, we love his people. And speaking about the evidence of salvation can sometimes be a bit tricky. Some people look at their lives and they don't see very much fruit. You might ask your child to think about whether they've loved their neighbor as themselves, and they'll just shrug. It can be a kind of weird thinking of the good things we've done. That's why we are serving our children or a fellow believer struggling with assurance. We need to take the initiative. 
you can share with them about what they've said about Jesus indicates that they trust in him. And what's more, the way they live their lives indicates that they've been transformed by him. Share with your child that you see their compassion, the way they speak with their brother or sister, or how they spend time in prayer. Encourage somebody else at church by the way that they serve people in need. These are all actions of evidence of loving God and loving God's people. Even if they can't see it, you can see how they've truly been born of God. So how do we know we're saved? We believe that Jesus is the Christ, and we love God, and we love God's people. But our love of God and neighbor doesn't add to our salvation. That is not what justifies us. We are able to love God and love neighbor because we've already been saved. And that is the gospel difference. It is. And amen. Charles, it feels like you've been spending time at my house. This is a frequent theme of our own parenting. But Charles, this is also, I think, one of the great tensions we feel in books like 1 John. There's this tension, and it's going to be right here in the text, between our call to obedience, and we can't ignore that without editing out the words of Jesus, heaven forbid. Yet we know that we are saved by grace and not works. And so we might struggle to understand the balance when we read verses like these. Here, verse 3 in chapter 5, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. One of the fascinating things about 1 John is how repetitive he is with his themes, which is helpful. That's how we know this is not a one-off verse. From chapter 2, he writes, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. Chapter 3, And this is his command to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. Another aspect of 1 John is how closely the text aligns with the teaching of Jesus himself in the Gospel John wrote. That last verse may sound familiar. It echoes Jesus in John 15. If you keep my commands, Jesus says, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And so, Christian, it is joy to submit to the Lordship of Jesus who has absolute authority over you. Think about it this way. Can you imagine a soldier receiving an order from his commander and then not doing it? But later, when questioned about it, said, But sir, I trust you and your leadership. I've memorized your words to the letter. Not only that, I told everyone else about it, so they know it too. Will that stand with his commander? The soldier's willful disregard for the command? Well, of course not. John isn't saying that we can obey perfectly, but to be a Christian wholly unconcerned with this is unthinkable. I think this is where a diagnostic question can be really helpful. Why? Why do we obey in the first place? What's our motivation? Are we thinking that it's our obedience that gets us into heaven? That's a false gospel. Salvation is by grace through faith. Are we thinking our obedience can curry favor with God and he'll grant us our requests? Well, that's the false gospel of prosperity. Or 
do we genuinely desire to obey the Lord Jesus from our great love and gratitude to him? It's only that last one that has any staying power in a believer's life. And even then, only by the power of the Holy Spirit, because we're always in this battle which rages around us. And our enemies, the flesh, the world, the devil, they're always seeking to undo us. But praise God, whatever we're called to do, he gives us the strength to fulfill. Or as Paul put it in Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Remember what Jesus said about the greatest commandments? That to love God, And to love your neighbor as yourself, these sum up all the law and the prophets? That's what this is about. And truly, the battle is won on the basis of faith in Jesus. And that's where the last verse of this passage leads us. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so we set our eyes on Jesus, the object of our greatest love and affection. He is the finish line. He is the prize. He is the promise waiting for us in glory. And with that, we can join with the saints in every age as we pray and sing, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. He who testifies to these things says, Surely. I am coming soon He who testifies to these things says Surely I am coming soon Surely I am coming soon Amen Come Lord Jesus Jesus, come. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming.
This is Haven Today, and I'm David Wolin. And if you've been listening all week, I want you to know we've not been experiencing technical difficulties. Yes, we have closed with the same song from the corner room every day, and that was on purpose for a couple of reasons. One, perhaps you have some of Jesus' words from Revelation 22 in your mind right now. That would be a win. And secondly, we wanted you to experience how easy it is to hear this music over and over and for it to stick. Charles, I have to say, as a father of three, that part is really important to me. Kids like to listen to music over and over. Sometimes, as a parent, it can drive you bonkers, but I have not experienced that at all with The Corner Room. I really enjoy listening to this, and I've found God's Word more than once stuck in my mind and heart this week. What a blessing. And I think, David, that's really important. I know you wanted your children and the children in the lives of our listeners to experience this music, but... You just gave an endorsement for grown-ups as well. This is not silly kids' music. All the songs on this CD called Remember and Proclaim are word-for-word scripture with music that even a grown-up can listen to. I'm really looking forward to sharing it with my grandchildren this Easter. Well, that's a great idea, Charles. Easter is only a month away, and I think this album, which is all about remembering and proclaiming Jesus, would be a great and excellent addition to any Easter basket. I think that was an excellent dad pun for you, David. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, for your gift of any amount to this solicitor-supported ministry, we'd like to send you the Corner Room's Remember and Proclaim CD. You can hop on over to our website and listen to samples from this album at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org, and then make your gift there. Or you can call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wolin. Thanks for joining both of us. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story and we'll do it because it's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wolin with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Near the end of his life, the Apostle Paul was in prison, left cold lonely and in chains. He'd been arrested once again for preaching the gospel, but this time there were no friends around to encourage him. You may know what that's like, a season where it seems like darkness is your only friend. If that's something you can relate to today, I have some good news from God's word. While earthly friends may desert us, Paul wrote this encouragement in 2 Timothy. About his own life, he said, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. And in the same way, that same friend stands with you and strengthens you when you're weak. He walks beside all who belong to him. Get daily encouragement from Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.